You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, Fem Fam, we've got another lovely episode for you today. Um, another guest that was connected to us through a past guest. Um, so Olivia Haller today. Wait. Haller. Yeah, okay, sorry, I'm gonna edit that part out. <laughs> Olivia Haller today. Um, she was brought to us from Mikael Chaldry. Um, and she is an accomplished writer who I got to have a little solo episode with today. And we talk all about how she started as a playwright over in the D.C. area. Love another East Coaster, as you all know. Um, and her work has been performed by a number of theater companies. And she was about to have her play performed right when COVID struck, of course. Um, but she has now moved to L.A. and she has taken on screenwriting as well. And we talk about her you know, wanting to collaborate and wanting to join like the TV screenwriting world. And now she's working on her first short that she wants to get produced. So, you know, she's doing a little bit of dabbling in everything. And I think it's great that it's allowing her to really explore the different facets of writing and, you know, build on everything that she's doing. And um, her latest play, Loneliness Was a Pandemic, has been performed remotely by at least two different companies during the actual pandemic. So that's pretty cool. And just had a live performance in New York. Um, So I am looking forward to an immersive work that she talks about in this episode as well um, that I think is a really cool concept and you guys will get to hear about it. And, you know, we really just talk about the differences of theater versus screen and the similarities too and you know how really in the end it's all about like do what you love tell the story you want to and go the route you want to learn the rules before you break them but like do what you want if you have fun with it and you tell a good story and it's moving and emotional in whatever way even like even comedies like have got to be they've got to create some kind of feeling right so if the audience feels it they're gonna enjoy it too so I know you guys are going to love this episode with Olivia. Welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. How's your morning? It's good so far. <laughs> Made my good coffee, so, so that's that's the best start. <laughs> I know, listeners, we're starting early today, but we're here with another East Coaster. Y'all know we love that. <laughs> so today uh, we have Olivia, who is you began as a as a playwright and now are a screenwriter. Is that correct? Yes. Um, 
as I've been uh, working on the transition, um, okay. I started off. I actually started off just in theater um, as a. I have a BFA in theater arts, um, so I have a performance background. And then while I was doing that um, at Boston University, I also took a playwriting track. And I was. I always loved writing. Um, like I would write little novels in high school for fun. Yeah. Um, so when I was in theater school, I was like, I should just write plays because that's what the people in theater do. Um, so I really liked that. And when I, um, after college, I sort of was really interested in new play development and um, mm -hmm. like regional theater, especially being from DC. Um, and so I really wanted to, I, I loved like reading scripts and I got really interested in dramaturgy. So I was working in the literary department of Woolly Mammoth Theater Company for a few years. Um, and I loved that because it was, it was a lot of experience, like reading scripts and just seeing like what like modern players are writing about and what was exciting to people. Um, and so I, I started like writing more plays and like I wanted to be a playwright, but I mm -hmm. like didn't really like I didn't have a lot of experience with like the craft of it, to be honest. Um, so I think I had like very good taste, but like not my ability did not match my taste. And so I ended up um, going like taking more classes or like I went to the Kenyan Playwrights Conference and that was like huge for me, just meeting other writers and like seeing mm -hmm. what other people were doing. Um, so then the more I stayed in DC, the more I was like, you know what, I think I want to get back into more of that um, like creative sphere. Like I, I love like dramaturging other people's shows and like reading scripts, but I like, this isn't really how I got into the arts. And so um, I started like auditioning more for shows and just mm -hmm. like working on my own stuff. Um, and so I ended up producing my first play in DC back in like 2017, um, which was, that was like a straight drama um, about my family, basically, and my younger brother who has severe autism. Um, so mm -hmm. it was a lot of like our family's experience of like being caregivers and coming up against that system of like what happens to adults with mental illness. Um, and uh, then after that, I was kind of like, uh, I accomplished my five-year goal. Like, what do I do? <laughs> oh no, like then I kind, of a, I kind of had a crisis because I just didn't know like what I would do next. Um, and so the the more I I thought about it and the more I, I worked, the more I just gravitated towards writing as the thing that I wanted to do the most. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I sort of focused on that. And um, as I was sort of like, I got, um, I wrote another play uh, that had a couple, like it was getting a little traction in DC and got a few readings and then COVID happened um, <laughs> as, as it does. Yeah. Uh, and I was sort of thinking about grad school at the time as well. Um, yeah. And it just was this moment in time of like, I don't know what the future of theater is and what can I do with myself? Um, and, and I always had, um, I really admired playwrights like Becca Brunstetter or Sheila Callahan or people that like made their living working in television and like made their big money that way, but then still like produce plays on the side yeah. um, in writer's rooms. And I was like, that's my dream life. So I kind of like, I wanted to take screenwriting classes in grad school. I saw myself, I just love the city of LA. So I always saw myself ending up there. Um, so then I, I just like when um, I ended up taking the um, UCLA professionals program course um, remotely, like while I was still in Virginia um, during COVID, because um, and that program like is sort of um, it could be live or in person or um, live or remote. And so okay. they had this program set up to be online like six years before COVID happened. So they like had infrastructure in place. Um, it was kind of like grad school light because it's like yeah. I took TV drama writing. And so it's like three workshops, you write a spec and two pilots, and then coupled with these like online lectures that you do on your own time. 
Um, so I just got to like learn about the craft and the business and like, feel like I was doing something while I was stuck at home and not so sure, like what, like having my career crisis, (laughs) just going through that. Um, so then as I did it, the more I was like, I, I really love this. I think I would love the, the collaborative nature of a writer's room and like brainstorming with other people. Um, and I think that's like, that's where I want to go towards. So I just Mm -hmm. like, like October, 2020 decided to move, move during lockdown and January 21, (laughs) it happens, um, over here. Um, so I've just sort of been having a great time. So honestly, since I got here, like I, uh, the creative community here in, in LA is like, it's hard to describe, like there is a cre- big creative community in DC. Like there's a huge theater scene. Um, mm-hmm. I met a lot of artists, but like, I think the difference is that the hustle is not legitimized it, outside of like at New York or LA um, yeah. in, in a way that it is here. Like um, in DC, it was sort of very much like, okay, like that you're you're a playwright, that's fun. Like what, what else do you do? What do you really do? Like what do you do yeah. for money? <laughs> and um, in LA, it's sort of like, you know, you could be like, oh, I'm, you know, I uh, I work at Disney, but I'm like really an opera singer. And they'll be like, oh, for, for sure. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of how it is everywhere else. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, you know, this like, day what? job is my day job, but like I am an actor. I am yes. a writer. Yeah. Yeah. And like people just get it. Um, and so, so it, it did feel like I finally wasn't the weird one when I moved out here. Um, and just like other writers are so great. Like the writing community is just a very supportive, fantastic community and people want to read each other's stuff. They want to give feedback and like help each other. Um, yeah. so, and I, ha- I had like a good starter kit of friends, like people that had like gone to school with me and then moved out here and started um like uh embedding themselves in the community mm-hmm. so I, I was fortunate to have a lot of people who introduced me to their friends and I went when I was still unemployed last summer I had this big like coffee tour of LA that I was just doing for months um nice. and uh and yeah so now like I um I've been I was focused I think for so long on just developing more of a portfolio mm-hmm. um with my scripts and now I'm in a place where I'm like okay I know filmmakers like let's do a short like I just want to collaborate on something yeah um, and, like have a project that I'm really working on um so I think that it's but it's just like I love being on the journey um mm-hmm. and just being being like even if I'm like have a goal of where I want to be just like being able to make friends and being able to work on my own scripts and share that work like is still very fulfilling in its own way and so it feels like like I'm moving towards something um so that that was a very long answer to your question of like no that's perfect that's that's basically it in a nutshell yeah and I feel like you know you're doing it in a way too where it's like everything is building off everything else. And, you know, that's not to say, I don't want people to think I'm saying like playwright is on the step to screenwriting. Like it's all different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, but for you, it was like, you know, you started with acting and then it got into the playwriting and then it got into the screenwriting. And then, it, you know, it's like, it's, it keeps building mm-hmm. on itself, which is like, I, I think that in film, in theater, in all of it, in any like creative performative part of a career it's like you've got to find the little things that like lead you to the next thing because the more you master the more you're able to do for yourself and the more you understand the rest of it so even if you you know realize like oh I have no desire to write for live theater anymore but I learned like the structure of writing from that it's like you're always going to get something out of everything you try so I feel like building upon itself is the way to go no matter how you do it so that's really cool that you got to do that and like do you think that you would have made that next leap were it not for like the world shutting down? 
It's hard to say. Like, I yeah. love to, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I'd love to think that I would have always ended up here, but I really do think that everything happened the way it was supposed to happen and that mm-hmm. I came here at the right time. Um, it's funny because I keep, it's not that I, I won't, I don't ever want to write for theater again. I think I've just sort of put it on the back burner. Um, but like, uh, there's a, a, like a, I actually was supposed to have a play going up in LA, um, March of 2020. Cause it was, uh, there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ink Fest. It's like this big, yeah. like sort of like 10 minute and full length or one act play, uh, festival that happens in the summer, um, okay. or the spring, I guess. And, um, uh, I like had, I actually used the flight credit from that trip that I was supposed to come over here and see the play to like come and look at apartments later that year, because I just like, that was like right when it was all shutting down. Um, so I would, I would love to like produce theater again. Um, and the, the project I was actually working on right before, um, like in 2020, 2019, um, was, I was working on it for like two years. I'm very upset about it, but, uh, <laughs> It's uh, an immersive play about the service industry that takes place in a restaurant. Okay. So, so, like, it's just one of those things that, like, it's the worst possible thing that I could have been working on before COVID. (laughs) And then it was like, oh, these are the two big industries that you just don't have anymore. Um, But I, every time I pitch that project to people, they're like, what? That's dope. Like, tell me more. And, um, like, two of my favorite collaborators uh, who are, uh, one's based in New York, too. So Mm -hmm. we've been, like, sort of working on it slowly for two years together. Um, but it's something like that. It's like, I would love to, to, to pick that back up again when the time is right. Or, um, it's, it's all, but yeah, like you say, it all builds on itself and it's all, I think the same basic skill set. and you just have to like learn how to translate it. Like, I think one of the things, um, that was really interesting transitioning from playwriting to screenwriting is just the use of dialogue and like in a play, like it doesn't exist if it's not in the dialogue like the characters have to say it because otherwise the director can make a different choice like if you just put it in the stage directions um but in screenwriting it's like how little dialogue can you get away with and still tell this story and like what's what can you establish visually and what can the character be doing that tells straight as opposed to them saying it um and so like it's my favorite part about writing a script is is the dialogue and like the scene work and so usually like the brainstorming and outline is just a way for me to finally get to that like um the dialogue writing phase um and so I think when I first started out writing pilots it was a lot of just big long like scenes that were not beat out emotionally in any way and my professors were like Olivia (laughs) like you can do like you like what is this line about and I was like I don't know the actor will figure it out and they were like yeah Yeah, that was tough for Carolina and I because we're both like we grew up doing live theater for years and years before we moved out here. So um, it's the same thing. It's like we're so used to writing for the stage, for dialogue, for all of that, like putting it out there, you know, and it's always like the subtext is the most interesting thing. And I mean, that's true for live theater in a way like that's a subtext, you know, it's what's underneath the lines, but it's like, Mm. you still have to say the lines versus on camera. It's like, you can literally just be looking at somebody's face and they're not saying anything and you're getting it all, you know, because you get those things like the close-ups and whatever. Um, So yeah, that was a very difficult for uh, transition for us as well. And I think that, a problem that we've run into with that is like, like we're working on our first feature right now. And when we were first doing the first draft, it's like, okay, this is not like quite enough pages. Like it's probably not maybe going to be quite uh, feature length. And we're like, but 
there's action in here. Like, does it, it doesn't translate the same way because it's not dialogue for every page. And, mm. you know, people that were reading it are like, well, yes, but no, but <laughs> so that was mm-hmm. a difficult concept for us to kind of get used to for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What else do you find like that big differences are that you've struggled with between like writing for the theater versus writing for the camera? Or or really good things, but I guess just differences in general. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just like forgetting that I have to think about cameras. Like the, um, in, I was just talking with some writers yesterday. I was at, at this mixer in North mm-hmm. Hollywood um, and just talking about like what it would mean to produce a short and like my, cause I've produced theater in the past too. So my brain is like, all right, well, we need like a location and we'd need right. like three actors and some background. We need a director and I'll act in it and like all this stuff. And then it's like, oh, but I also needed like a DP and like yeah. I found uh, like all of this, like that stuff. I don't like, I'm not used to thinking about, um, but I do think some of it is, and it's also like um freeing but limiting at the same time when I think like some of the short plays that I've written like one has like a shark attack in it one has, someone gets set on fire and it's like <laughs> even though those don't seem like like I sort of wrote them to be unproducible because uh-huh. I would just wanted to like um it was either like a, a writing prompt or it's just something where I was like well this would be like this would just happen like this what an outlandish thing to happen in a in a script and then it's like that because I think that it's more like freeing in terms of my imagination, then I think that resonates with people. And like, those are the plays that have gotten produced more because it's just like, oh, this is not something I've seen. And like good directors can accomplish that with like a sound effect. Like it's just lights and sound in theater. So like, I'm so used to just being like, we just need two black boxes and a curtain to do, yeah. to do the show. Um, but then, uh, and so I did last summer sort of, and I was still like looking for work. I did like a random week of background and I, that was like the first time I'd ever been on a TV set. And it was so cool. It was just so cool to just be there and understand like, well, well, I didn't understand what anybody was doing, but just like looking around to see like what, how it's made and like who all is working on it and what needs to happen to like get this shot and like how they um, shoot things. And just even like what, and I ended up actually working in production after that in health and safety. Okay. Because <laughs> um, no one wants to do that job. And even just like thinking about like, like somebody's in charge of like building the fake tree that is behind the character's window in the fake house that like nobody thinks about or nobody sees um, Mm. when you're like watching it or like that they have to pay background actors to like drive their cars to park in a fake street and like walk behind it. Like no, it's no one's like thinking about that watching the show, but it's like, that is like someone considering it and like what kind of tree is it and like what is this background person wearing like it's so much detail and thought that goes into it um so it's like I'm not at all used to to thinking about that kind of stuff in terms of like in terms of production I think mostly not in totally in terms of like creativity but it is different when you think about like oh like I just sort of and I, and I do I do still hold that like if a work of art moves people and if a producer sees something and is like, this is like, this resonates with me. Like, I'm going to get this made. Like, I don't have, like, I think there's a fine line between like writing, considering budget and producibility and then writing because like you, because even when in theater, like people would always say like, oh, you should write a two-hander because it's so easy and cheap to produce. But then it's like, if you just write something to be easy to produce, then you're just writing a paint by numbers. You're not really, like, you're writing something that is still like moves you and like you have a purpose yeah. for doing this. So on the one hand, I'm like, if I, I think that 
like producers find a way to make things that they want to make and Mm -hmm. like but also you do have to I think there's a lot of negotiation that happens in terms of like producibility um but yeah it's just it's a lot like again I think it's the same like basic skill set and like the same um like collaborative uh tools but Mm -hmm. applied in different ways with different consideration yeah yeah that definitely makes sense it's it is such a big difference between like with theater it's kind of all the suspension of disbelief right like you said it's like you can put on a whole show with like two black boxes and the audience is gonna they're gonna choose to believe that that's whatever you need it to be you know Mm -hmm. versus film it's like you really can't get away with that which is why (laughs) you know it's so it's so strange that it has to be so different but um but that also goes to show kind of the value of like everybody on a set it's like you have those people to think about all those little things you know you've got your production designer and your set decks and all this stuff to do all of those different jobs um which is kind of like I I wish that we had more of that in theater I wish there was more money for theater in general to be Mm -hmm. able to do all those kind of things you know because you do see the then really big productions that do have budgets behind them you know on Broadway and all that kind of stuff where it's like all the little intricacies and what you can actually accomplish on a live stage is sometimes incredible, mm-hmm. you know, especially like shows in the last 10 years. It's like, there's always something even cooler than the last show that's, you know, they're putting on now, but um, all that to say, like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's the same kind of skill set. It's still writing. It's still, you know, you've got to tell a story that affects people, but it's kind of the producibility. It sounds like that's the biggest difference between the two maybe <laughs> I don't yeah. know that comes to mind but <laughs> yeah um do you find I guess almost to play devil's ad- advocate to what I just said but um do you find that like the structure like certain amount of acts or you know however you follow the particular like writing structure um do you find that that is also the same or does it seem because of like time constraints or anything like that 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 is affected on camera versus on the stage? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I think it it just depends on what your goal is with, with what okay. you're writing. Because honestly, mm-hmm. like before I started learning about TV writing, like I was really interested in plays that were, were not well-made plays, like that were yeah. like very experimental and like sort of like broke down, deliberately broke down structure and like mm-hmm. challenged like the traditional audience experience or like what you like want to get out of a play. Cause I was just like, especially in regional theater, you get a lot of like those kitchen sink, living room, like well-made plays, yeah. um, which they are lovely and they have like a place and they, they accomplish what they want to accomplish. But that's just not the kind of theater that I was interested in, in making. And so I was trying to get away from that. So then when I started learning the screenwriting craft, part of me was like, it was so formulaic and it was very much like, um, uh, it was a good, like, on the other hand, like, it's learning about it. It's very freeing. Like, it was almost like, here, here here's the structure. Like, if you want to write as like, a speck of this is us, like, this is, it's six acts. This is what happens in act one. It was very much like, um, like, oh, it was, it was so, like, because I, I love structure. Like, I love it when people give me the container and I can fill the container. And like, I thrive with like, predictability and stability. And so I was like, thank God, like someone just gave me the map, like how to do this. Like, this is amazing. And then I can just like 
Um, and I think like, obviously there's, there's two formulaic and now everyone kind of says like, you don't want your script to be paint by numbers. Like you just wanted to like check off the boxes. Like, mm. I think it's also like, obviously like you have to like learn the tools to be able to like subvert the tools. Um, right. so it's like, of course, like I wanted to learn those, those structures when I started TV writing. And like, it's, it's just another way of like arming yourself with the knowledge of what, what am I going for? Like, what is not only what is like my length like half hour or or one hour but also like what is the the genre like what is how are these formatted and then like if I'm writing a sitcom am I doing it single camera multicam is it like mockumentary is it uh straight um and so it's just it's great to like to have all that stuff in your toolbox um but at the same time like there was a part of me that really bristled against like but all movies don't have to be written like that. And like all TV doesn't like, like we should, no, we don't have to do this all the time. Like, and, but it is like, I think um, with, I think different formats, like network versus streaming, like there's a lot of experimentation happening nowadays that weren't, wasn't seen before, which is very exciting. Um, And people that are kind of breaking the rules when like, no, people keep saying you can't do that. Um, so, so yeah, I think that it's like, I have found like that structure to be uh, very freeing and very like help me kind of get a handle on the formats. Um, but at the same time, I'm still very interested in like, okay, but also how can we like play with that to subvert like the audience's expectations? Yeah. I mean, even things as simple as like episode length or amount of episodes in a season, like, you know, that's changed drastically now. And it's like, it used to be <laughs> like, okay, you've got, you know, 22 episodes, they're all half hour, or they're all an hour. And now it's like, you might have six episodes in a limited series, and they're not even all the same length in that one series, you know, which is, I mean, that's, it's a weird thing, I think, because like as an audience, if you're not also in the industry, you're just um, enjoying it. You know, it's like, you might not know these standards, but something still feels different. (laughs) So it's almost, you know, a subtle change in that sort Mm -hmm. of way. Yeah. But I think that's exciting for creatives because now, you know, we get more opportunity to try different things. And personally, even just as an audience, like trying to turn off my creator brain and just enjoy it. I I like these like limited series. I like that it's, you know, when somebody's like, oh, you should watch this show. And I'm like, how many seasons is it? And they're like, oh, it's been on for like six seasons. I'm like, no, that's too much for me. Yeah. (laughs) It was on the six episodes. I'll strap in for that. Mm. Um, But I, I just think, yeah, it's really cool that there are so many different opportunities for creators now to do different things you know Mm -hmm. on streaming and tv and all of that so but you said so you came into it having tv in mind but you would like to do shorts and stuff as well so where are you on that right now I know you're still kind of new to to this side of it but I mean I like just finished a first draft of a short like oh last week (laughs) okay nice. Um, but yeah it just sort of comes from like just wanting to collaborate with people and just wanting mm-hmm. to have projects. And like, now that I do have a day job, like my, my energy is not taken up with like, okay, where's my like income coming from? Like, yes. Like I, I got, I was productive while um, I was unemployed. Um, but then like I found the production job and I was less productive. And so it's, it's kind of like my day job has to be in service of my ultimate goal. Like I can't get yeah. caught up in the minutia of like, um, and it's very difficult, I think, to, to be able to make money 
doing this like as I'm like getting traction um and like even also even in theater that's part of the one of the one of the reasons why I was like maybe this isn't sustainable is because even when you're successful in theater even when you're like a produced playwright like if you're Tony Kushner like you may not be making a living (laughs) like yeah doing, doing it just because it doesn't it doesn't pay that much and so um it's it's just it came from this uh, this impulse of just wanting to to feel like for myself this is this is my career like this is I when I leave work I am going and like being a creative and I am making things that like are trying to move people and like projects that like really give me joy um and so I'd, I'd love to be able to do that like and only um, but until that happens, it's just like, I need to think of myself as an artist. Yeah, yeah. I need to just do the work of being an artist, um, as you know. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and so it's like, I, and I loved writing 10 minute plays. Um, like that's when you're a playwright, they, a lot of people say like, that's a good way to just kind of like start getting productions and start making mm-hmm. connections. Because every time you get a short play produced, like that's a new theater, that's a new director you have a connection with. And it's easier to get a short play produced um, because theaters are always doing festivals and like they're much cheaper and less risky to do. Um, so you can kind of get your name out there. So I started, I wrote some shorts for a while and like a few of them got like produced in DC or like um, around the country. Um, and it's just, it's so, I just love it. It's, it's like you, you have a deliverable in a shorter amount of time. And it's just like, I know the the format of a 10 minute play, like here's like, like first page inciting incident. Then you got the rising action. You got some twists, you got the climax and like one page name them all. It's like very, um, like just like, again, I love the container. I love filling the container. Um, and so with a short, it was like, I think I want to like capture this energy again. Like it won't take as much time to like go through the whole process of writing a new pilot and like world building. It's like, this is a complete world in and of itself. Yeah, and yeah. then like once I sort of get that like get a good draft out then I can focus on like okay what would it take to actually make this who would be the best director like how who can I collaborate with how can I pull all right. my friends into this great project um so so that yeah that's just kind of and then I'm also continuing to to um to write more pilots and sort of like I started out in hour drama but then I turned one of my hour-long dramedies into a half-hour comedy and then I loved half-hour comedy and so now I'm like maybe I'll do more of that um so I'm still kind of landing on like what my um my niche is as well like sort of like how I like pitch myself as a writer and like what um what I write about and like what I'm good at um but I think that's also like I don't want to pigeonhole myself too early in in the sense of like I don't want to just be like well I I'm not a comedy writer like I'm only ever going to do drama but then like never try comedy so I want to like kind of dabble for a bit and then see what feels right yeah and I think that's smart too and I think that you know like that you're not limiting yourself which is not only like smart because who knows what you could end up being amazing at that you didn't even know you know but it's also fun it's like you get to then really enjoy it and immerse yourself in it and you're not just like the thing about being an artist is, you know, if you're pursuing that as a career, it's like, yes, this is your passion. This is what you love to do, but it becomes work, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's sometimes it just feels like work too, and not fun. And you have to stop and remind yourself, I'm doing this because I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I think the more you get to, or I should say the less you limit yourself, the more you get to play, like is, it makes it more fun. It reminds you they're doing this because you love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's great too, that you, um, you, you're playing with 10 minute shorts for the stage. You're playing with 
like short films. You're playing with all of these things that, again, allow you more opportunity because like, for instance, making a feature, like no matter how cheaply you do it, it's so much work, Mm -hmm. you know, so much goes into it. Making a two hour play again, it's like, you can do these things for low budget, which everybody thinks is like the hardest thing is the money. And it can be sometimes, but sometimes it is just the work that goes into it. So, and that's not to to say that shorts aren't a lot of work, (laughs) (laughs) but I think again, that allows you a lot more opportunity. And for those listening that aren't based in LA, um, the theater scene here is like, it's, (laughs) I feel like when I first got here, I was like, there is no theater scene. Like, what do you, cause I, again, grew up on theater. I was like, what, what, what do actors do out here when they, when they want to do like a stage show? Like what I don't understand. And I came to find that it is here and it is thriving, but it's different than I expected. You know, I think I expected like a New York city kind of scene and, you know, I wasn't expecting Broadway necessarily, but while there are a lot of professional theaters in LA, a lot of it is just smaller and I don't want to call them community theaters because it is, it's more than that, but it's, mm-hmm. they're very small. You don't hear about a lot of shows. Some of them are just company only. So you have to be like in it, paying the dues to be a part of it. Some of it is totally community theater, but I feel like they all kind of come together when it's like festival time, you know, and they, mm-hmm. which is amazing that they have the theater festivals out here. Um but yeah, that's that's kind of my favorite time of the year is when like the the fringe festivals going on and I get to see and hear about all of these shows that everybody's putting on. And it gives actors and writers and directors an opportunity to put up their work that they wouldn't necessarily have because it's expensive again to rent a theater to put on a show. Mm-hmm. And you know, you always see those like movies about people moving to LA or moving to New York and putting on their one woman show and nobody's in the audience. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough to get people to go see shows, you know, but yep. I do feel that thankfully it's coming back now that, you know, the world is opening back up year after year slowly. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is, that's refreshing to see. And yeah. I think that it's going to be kind of a, I don't want to say restructuring, but like resurgence. And I think we're going to see a lot more experimental theater, especially. Um, But just, you know, to bring people back in and to get people to want to see shows, like people want to see new, exciting things. Hey, Fem Fam, have you heard us raving about Jambox yet? Because let me tell you, it's such an amazing tool for filmmakers, podcasters, advertisers, and anyone who needs music for their projects. Jambox.io is so versatile. They've got songs and sound effects organized by artist, genre, mood, and tags. And they're actually affordable. For as little as $9.99 a month for independent creators, $6 a month for students, or $19.99 a song, you can choose whether a subscription-based membership or a la carte pricing works better for you. And they're flexible. For individual creators, to commercial, to advertising, to theatrical release... They've got you covered. Plus, they're constantly growing and evolving. With new songs and playlists all the time and customer service on point, they really do have everything you need. We've been working with them for a while now and couldn't be happier. That's why we have a special coupon code for our listeners. For 10% off your purchase, make sure you enter code FEM10 at checkout. That's 
femme, F-E-M-M-E, 10 at jambox.io, where they connect creators with ridiculously good music and sound effects. Which your show that you said that you were talking about earlier that um, deals with the service industry and is, mm-hmm. is immersive. I'd love to hear more about that because I think that's a perfect example of like anything immersive. I always think is exciting because um, mm-hmm. it's it's not a new concept, but I think it's new to a lot of people, and it's just such an, a, cool, a cool experience to be an audience member in an immersive show. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Absolutely, me too. To be honest. Um, <laughs> It's still in the works, um, but no, it's it's interesting when you, when you talked about um, just like having people come out to see your play, um, like that's one of the reasons that I also I think was really interested in television because of that accessibility factor. And on the one hand, like yes, there's nothing like live theater, like that feedback between the actor and the audience that happens is like one of the most magical things, and it's not like nothing else. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like there is a real barrier in terms of accessibility with theater um, because like you do have to go like to a specific place at a specific time and often pay money to yeah. like to be there and I would always get friends like when I have plays produced they'd be like oh man I'm so sorry that I wasn't able because also sometimes like you know they don't live in DC like that's where my play was and so like they wouldn't get to see it or if they they had a chance to see it but they couldn't make it they'd be like oh I'd love to read the script and I'd be like no like you had to see it the script is just 50 percent of the thing like I'm so mad um I wasn't mad um (laughs) but with tv it's like uh it's it's much more like accessible to people um and like you can watch it on your own time Mm -hmm. um when I actually um random sidebar but like Mm -hmm. I one of my full-length plays um actually like got produced a few times during lockdown because it was um, a lot of theater companies or or producers were looking to make virtual productions that they could like stream and so and I had a play um it's actually called loneliness was a pandemic but I wrote it in 2019 so it's not about COVID it's about robots Um, (laughs) but uh but that was like I think a good um, it was a, a adjustable to an online format because it was a small cast. There was a lot of opportunities for like video in it. Um, so people could like rehearse it and then um, like put it up and, and just sort of like do one is a one act. So they could do like one take or like stream it um, mm-hmm. or video edit it. And so then that was like the first time where I was like, oh my gosh, like I have a play getting produced, but I can like, sh- like tell my friends in New York and I can tell my friends in California and like they can all watch it and like they can they, they can even watch the recording later on their own time like not yeah. at, like and so that was also like a really cool freeing feeling um and so I think so to take it back to immersive theater like that's I think why I was way more interested in that kind of stuff because it's 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 asking why this play has to be live like why is this a play and not a movie? Because now we can do realism, realism really well on film and TV. Um, so if, if it's theater, like what, like how can that feedback really be capitalized on? And like, how can that magic, I think like pull the audience in more. Um, so, I th- which I think is still present in all, a lot of theater, but mm-hmm. um, there were some really great uh, immersive shows it, happening in DC that were inspiring. Um, and like Wooly Mammoth is like, like sort of pushes the envelope a lot with like how they produce plays. So I got to see a lot of that firsthand when I was working there. Nice. Um, so this one, um, when my collaborators and I were making it, we did, we ended up going to like Sleep No More um, in New York. And oh no, there was one about Alice in Wonderland that I'm forgetting it's through the looking glass or something like that. Okay. Um, but it was another one where like 
you um, basically just sort of are, like get free roam to explore um, these rooms and like you there are sort of events that are happening at certain times like throughout the the it's usually like a like a big warehouse or like um okay. like a mansion you're just like going into rooms um and so you can't you can see those events but nobody's telling you when and where they're happening so you just have to stumble on stuff and event like you may get like pulled into a one-on-one with an actor and have like your own personal experience that nobody else got that whole time um and so we kind of wanted to do a hybrid of that where like the 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 play was called in service and it was sort of about this sort of transactional relationship that happens when you have like a customer and a server yeah, and yeah. like what happens to your like humanity in, in, in for lack of a better word in that interaction because you are um like on the one like the yes like it is like transactional like the server is there to do a job but also mm-hmm. like that that is a like they have needs as well and like they're people and like you like you need to acknowledge like from both sides like you need to acknowledge yeah. like, where the other person is coming from and like how do you take care of someone in, in that moment as well um and so it would be the sort of like two-tier ticket system where like you could buy um a ticket to be a guest and you would sit at a table in this restaurant and like very low participation like you basically would order off the menu the servers would be the actors mm-hmm. and then there would be events that would happen in the restaurant that you could witness and you would see a full play happen and like you probably you would have different interactions based off of like who was your server versus who was the next table server yeah. so you still wouldn't have like just one experience of this play but then if you really wanted to like get, have an adventure like you could buy a ticket to be a um uh, a trainee and okay. you would like shadow a server and then you get pulled into more one-on-ones you get specific like directions and like you'd still be like guided through the thing like and taken care of but um it would be a lot more like uh participatory and like yeah. um some, some people like it's like you know I'd want it to be accessible for people that like really are not into immersive theater and they just want to watch a play and also people that are like down like they want to like be in it they want to be doing all the stuff they love escape rooms <laughs> those people yeah <laughs> um and uh and yeah so that was like exciting to me because I felt like it was it, it was something that would, it had to be a piece of theater mm-hmm. um and so I would love and like like I said every time I like tell someone like oh that was the project that was like my like <laughs> pre-pandemic like uh fuck me right um <laughs> like if, if yeah. I could like sort of like just like produce that at some point in LA or like get like go produce it back in DC um I would love to because I think that like it's uh but it's also like it was hard like I think that still exists in like a a Google file somewhere (laughs) like it's very like you can't really have a script for it it's more of like a grid (laughs) of like which scenes are happening at what times with which people and like how does this arc connect to this arc um but I also feel like having tv writing training since then I think that's like, it would be very helpful to revisit that script now because like in television, there's so much of like tracking those character arcs like through multiple episodes and like how do they join. Um, So, so yeah. So I like, like I said, I have not given up on theater. Like I haven't like left it all behind. I've just, it's just kind of been on the back burner, but, um, but yeah, Yeah. (laughs) love to return. Yeah. And I, this sounds like such a fun experience too, because it's, you also have the opportunity, like, you know, if you love theater, you'll go see a show a bunch of times. It doesn't matter Mm. if you're, you know, new to theater or you're not as into it or whatever, you might see a show once and be like, good, I'm, I'm, I'm good for life. It was a great show, but I don't know. I don't need to see it again because I know what happens, you know, versus like an experience like this. It's like, 
you could be like a customer, quote unquote, or you can be a trainee and have those totally different experiences. You can do the same level, like just be a customer multiple times and you're at a different table with a different server and it's like you're still having a different experience. So I think mm-hmm. that that's really cool and that that offers a lot for more people like that, again, aren't as already into theater. You know, this gives them an, a chance to see a different way to put on a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sounds super fun. Like I, I'm that person that's like, I want to be a part of it. Like throw me in there, coach, you yes. know? So <laughs> I think that's really cool that you offer that for people. And I've also been a server for 10 years. So I'm like, this is this is such a cool concept for me. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> yeah. I like I, that. I mean, I, um, I was only, I was a server for like one summer in high school and I was a barista for a little bit after, after I graduated college. Um, but it's, yeah, like my, one of my collaborators was like a career, um, server, like full-time server. And like so many people that I know, like have either, like, I don't trust people to be honest that have not worked in the service industry. I'm just like, you don't, you don't understand like a core fact about life. If you have not been on the other side of that. Yeah. At least some sort of customer service, whether it's like, you know, retail or whatever. I mean, we've all got similar, (laughs) similar stories, similar issues, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. It's all, it's all connected. Yeah. And I think it's like you were saying before, it's like, you know, you got to know the rules to break them kind of thing. It's like, if you start, you know, writing the structured story in the way that you think you're going to write it. And by way, I mean, like, you know, you think it's going to be a short, but then it comes out and you're like, oh my God, wait, actually, this is, this is way more. This is, you know, like that happens. (laughs) That's the creative (laughs) process, right? Like, yeah, yeah. so true. So true. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I also like just I I'm excited to be on this podcast and talking to you because I feel like you're also people that are just like, let me make stuff happen that like is is fun and collaborative and like is the stuff that like we would want to work on as actors. Yeah, um, because we're not like, you know, like I think I think being an artist in general is just it's like half putting yourself out there, half applying for stuff, half asking for people to give you things and like jobs. And then half just like making your own stuff. And like, yeah. like my, my, um, my old drama lit professor in college would say that like, you can't ask for the, like to sit at the cool kids table. You have to make your own cool thing. And eventually the cool kids look over like, Hey, what do you have over there? Like you should like come sit over here. Yeah. Um, that's how it happens. 100%. And I mean, like, that's why we started our production company because we had met in an acting class and we were both pursuing, I, don't, I hate saying just acting, but I mean like, only acting and not just (laughs) Um, but you know we wanted to be in period pieces and we just weren't even getting those auditions and it's like you know as an actor I can accept not booking auditions but I need to get the auditions Mm -hmm. I wasn't even getting those auditions you know so we were like okay we got to just create our own stuff and so we just started from there and then fell into fully into filmmaking and it wasn't just like you know let's make something that we can be in to like put in our reel it's like no let's make a real goddamn movie like Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's go all in you know so and we still create these films for us to be in like we're still on that track you know so yeah it's just you really have to figure out what you want to create, you know, and just jump in and do it. And I think for us, you know, our first thing that we ever did was a Western, which was like taking on way more than we could handle, but we pulled it off because we didn't even know, like we didn't know how crazy that was. (laughs) So sometimes really just jumping in is the best, the best thing to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think to, like we talk about this all the time on the show it's like you know how we were saying with 
with your journey, like building upon itself. It's like the more things you try, the more you realize what you're good at and what you're not good at, but Mm -hmm. what all goes into it too, you know? And I think that goes with storytelling that goes with like the actual jobs of production. Like that goes to say for genre, everything. (laughs) It's like, try as much as you can. Yeah. And then you'll find what you love and you'll find what you're good at. I totally agree. Yes, girls. Hello. (laughs) Good morning. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like, like you said, like you just learn, like um, sometimes learning what the thing is not is just as valuable as learning what the thing is. Um, Yeah. And like, I think that, yeah, like if you, even if you try something and you're like, I hated this and I want to do this again, like this was terrible. (laughs) Then it's like, okay, well now that's like something that I've learned about myself and like, or if you've collaborated with someone, you're like, I know this person's very good at that. And like, I know mm-hmm. that we work well together or maybe we don't, maybe we're really good friends, but we don't work well together. And so yeah. that's also something to know. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just like, and I think like I, I go back and forth between like the second I have a draft of something that I like am kind of excited about I'm like look I made a thing and I'll like email my friends to be like look at this script or the short and they'll be like oh this is okay like (laughs) this is the first (laughs) draft very cool um and so like I uh but also like there are times that I kept saying like oh I don't want to like show like this pilot is like been through 12 drafts but it's uh, I wouldn't show this to like uh, a, a producer or anything like that and like my friend my fellow writers sometimes are like no like you just eventually like you're just making it different you're not making it better you just like it's you can't wait for it to be perfect before you share it because like it's also it's always going to change and like it's always yeah, a collaboration yeah. um so it is kind of finding that balance I think between like yeah like I just need to steam ahead but also like let me make sure that I am purposeful about why I'm doing this and that I'm like ready as I can be Absolutely. I mean, like, again, like I said, we're working on our first feature right now. And it's like, we keep just draft after draft after draft. And we've gotten to a point where we're like, okay, let's quote unquote, lock it in right now. As in like, we're not going to take the time to stop and do rewrites anymore. We're going to move ahead with everything else. Mm -hmm. But knowing that things are going to change, things are going to change on the shoot days, you know, things are going to change when we connect or like, hire other people in our core crew like things are going to constantly be changing but we're going to take this as that working draft that we're not just going to like be taking time to write anymore like you know so it's yeah it's like this is the final draft but not really the final draft but like close enough to the final draft that we can move ahead and yeah knowing when you're at that point with your work it's difficult because you know you want it to be perfect but again it's like it's never going to be locked in until it is already shot <laughs> and even then it's like editing could change right? things too so yeah well, that's another thing I first forget about coming from theater is post <laughs> yeah oh right <laughs> and like a, a whole, whole story can, can be changed in post it is it's insane because I like personally I don't have like an editor mind like I'll see you know raw footage and then I'll see how different it turns out and like literally just cutting from one person to the other can like change the whole mood of a scene and it's just Mm -hmm. it blows my mind (laughs) yeah yeah and like as a as a writer specifically like is that something that is a world that's exciting to you or are you also like, I can't like process that or does it feel almost like you 
it's changing your story. Like, I guess, how do you feel about that world? Like coming from, you know, again, stage where it's like what is performed is the story versus film where it can totally change in post. I mean, um, I will say I'm like the least tech savvy millennial. And so (laughs) I, uh, the like nuts and bolts of post and editing is like 0% exciting to me. Um, But it's, I mean, I think it's again, like we were talking about like, the same kind of muscles um, with collaboration that happen in theater. Like I've worked Mm -hmm. on plays with directors who were like totally picking up what I was putting down and like executed like the, the vision that I had on the page and like we were on the same page. And then I've had like plays where I really felt like I was clear about what this moment was and the director did not think that it was the same thing. And so like, then the play kind of like was wonky because it was staged in a different way. and so I was like, I don't know where this miscommunication is happening. So I feel like with post, it's like, it actually people have asked me, like when I talk about wanting to produce a short, um, they say like, oh, well you should direct it too. Because like, that's like, yeah. the director gets all the credit anyway. And like, you should like, would, wouldn't you like to like execute like what you see? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like directing sounds so like managerial to me. And it's um uh, like I would love to collaborate with a, a very good director that I like trusted that also like because I again I've never like done film before so yeah. watching someone else like like set up the shots and like direct um, like the actors and then also like maybe like watching a great like editor like handle the scenes in post like I'd want to still be available for those things and like mm-hmm. have a voice but but I also like, I think that I don't want to do it. I don't really want to do everything myself. I think that I like, I would love to do like a Rachel Bloom thing or an Issa Rae thing and just yeah. like, like act in something that I wrote, like write a role for myself. Um, that's very appealing to me, but um, yeah, I think that like, especially starting off, like um, I think it's more appealing to me to like find people who know what they're talking about and are really good at it. And then just like learn from them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it's a process. Like if the first thing that happens, it's like, okay, like I I wrote this, but I wasn't, and maybe it wasn't totally how I would have done it by the end product because I didn't direct it myself or edit it myself. Yeah, but then right. that's still like a collaborative venture that happened. And then the next time I do it, it's like, maybe, maybe I would try doing this. Um, but, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I like that because I, that's how I think too. It's like it, the more people you have involved, like sometimes it can be overwhelming. Sometimes it's like too many cooks in the kitchen, but more often than not, I feel like they're just going to bring more ideas to the table that maybe you didn't even think of. And you're like, oh, that's even I didn't even think of that. That's even better. Let's take that takes it to the next level, you know, and it's it's so good to have that collaborative mindset, because another thing is even if even if it's not like new ideas you didn't think of, they also might pick up things that you missed that, you know, Mm. you intended in the writing. And then when it came to actually shooting it or performing it, it it gets missed because so much is going on, you know, Um, they like have better ideas than me. Like sometimes I want to collaborate with people. Um, like I was a theater arts major in college. And so my senior thesis was writing a play, but then I had to like partner with other seniors to like direct and act in it. Mm-hmm. And like my, one of my favorite like phrases we always batted around was like, like theater, it's, it's like the end product is like greater than some of its parts. It's better than we each could have made it individually because we all were working on it. And like yeah. a half, one half form thought joins another half form thought. So like with like um, the, sh- the short that I would like to work on, like there are sort of ways that like, it's like, I have an idea of how to accomplish this like effect or like this um, sort of, uh, but my 
I won't say my idea yet, but, um, <laughs> but like how, like, hmm, I have a way that I would maybe stage this. Um, but I also would like to like hear other ideas or like hear, like, especially from people who are like used to visual storytelling and like, yeah. how would, would someone else accomplish this? And it's like, well, maybe that's like something brilliant that I would never have thought of. And like, you know what, they should take the credit for that. Like, <laughs> like we can all, we can all like join, um, join forces on this together. Yeah. I love that. Well, Olivia, thank you so much. And listeners, like, if you want to collaborate, call your girl. <laughs> oh, I'm always down for a coffee date. <laughs> love that. Always reach out. Yeah. And then um, on that note, will you tell our listeners where they can find you and find your work and connect with you? Absolutely. So um, all of my handles are basically just my name. Very boring. So you can find, <laughs> I have a website. It's oliviahaller.net. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Olivia underscore Haller. Um, yeah, it's it's very, it's, you should be pretty easy to find me, I hope. Perfect. I mean, you say it's boring, but I say that's way easier to remember. So <laughs> I think you chose the smart route. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Olivia, for coming on today. This was great. I love hearing like the different aspects of like, you know, TV versus film versus stage versus like, because it is it's so different but it's so similar in so many different ways so it's really cool to get to hear that from someone that's done it all at this point you know Mm -hmm. yeah no I think it's it's really important to like learn everyone's process I mean you were mentioning editing earlier learn just some basic editing I've I've gotten to do like more of the editing for us too and and like honestly it's helped me become a better actor because I know Mm -hmm. what the director is looking for and that's also why I believe that I have I can do some directing for us right Tessa (laughs) it's just like I I've been able to like really like like have that and it's again it's not everyone's like cup of tea or skill but just like learning anything like Mm -hmm. just the fundamentals I think helps you become a better writer and actor director so I, I love that. Um, I think it's really important for our listeners who aren't even writers to understand like what's going on through your mind. So thank you for coming on and sharing all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so yes. glad that we got connected with you. This is great. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the Fem Fam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.